What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Umso Madani. Umso, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Once again, y'all can follow me at Umso Madani on Twitter. Busy, busy week for the Rockets. A lot of the stuff we're kind of we're gonna kind of repeat, but we're gonna like dabble upon it because it's just like we can only talk about Steven Silas benching up or in Shangoon for so long, right? So let's start here. So Bill Simmons goes on his podcast. And he says that he's hearing more and more from the people around him that Harden is Houston-bound. And I'll start here. How much weight do you put into this rumor? Honestly, not too much. Um, you know, Bill Simmons isn't really a guy that's like in re- really connected with all these uh, these GMs and stuff. So I-, I wouldn't really put it. We've already got so much reporting from from Kelly Go and um I feel like this is just I mean we've we've already kind of been over this. Like, you know, Kelly Go said Rock's interested in Harden, Harden's interested in Houston, so I think it's just more of a cherry on top to the situation. You're right. Like we have more credible sources here. Like Woj reported this. Like mid season. Kelly Eco and Sam Amick, they reported this. I thought that was more credible. This is just kinda like more smoke, right? It's not as much smoke as Amic, as Eco, and Woj provided, but it's a little, it's a dab of smoke there. I do think the pileup of news uh, does mean something. Is it enough for me to say anything differently than what I said last week, which is basically if you missed the podcast last week, I said, I think I'm closer to the idea of Houston being at even odds with the Sixers in terms of Harden's destination. This isn't going to make me change that. I think we're pretty much exactly where we were last week. You know, we said this last week. It's just a lot to hear about a free agent, a guy who's not even a free agent yet. I'm there with you. I'm there with you. I'm still, uh, I'm with you there. Uh, I'm still like, my last chance hasn't changed. I still think there's a lot of circumstances that are going to Harden coming to Houston. And um, I'm still, I'm still there. 50-50. So he also said on the podcast that the Jalen Green over Evan Mobley Pick could end up being a, a quote unquote catastrophe. Let me at least start with this. Where did you originally stand on this debate in 2021? So, like when the Rockets were debating between who to draft at number two, you know who who did you think was the superior pick, and like has that changed at all? Where where do you stand now? So in 2021, I was still on the Jalen Green drain, and that's because going to drafts, I look at ceiling more than floor, and I. I I had a feeling that Mobley would have the safer floor, and he's shown it throughout his first few seasons. I mean, he's been a he's been a big part of this uh, Cavaliers run with his. He has great length. Uh, he's been a great defender for them. He, he's he's able to stretch the floor. He's been great. But something with Jalen Green, he's just there, there's a saying like there's hoopers, and then there's basketball players. Jalen Green is a hooper. He just has that natural smoothness to his game and he's just a natural scorer I mean you see it every time he drives he's one of the most fouled players driving into the lane he's just so tough to guard and if he could just become more efficient and continue to I mean he he went he's having what 21 points a game right now I think his ceiling can be one of the is is him being one of the best scorers in the league and I, I still stand by that so where I originally stood was I was a Mobley guy. And I actually thought the opposite of what you thought. Like I thought Mobley was the safer pick. 
uh, not Mobley, excuse me, uh, Jalen Green was the safer pick, I thought. Because I could eat more easily envision a world in which he became an all-star versus Evan Mobley. But I could see a higher ceiling with Evan Mobley because there's not really much on the basketball court that Evan Mobley can't do other than maybe shooting threes. But perhaps he can get there one day. Uh, he can shoot the mid-range jumper. He can post up. He can. He's a very good passer. Uh, very just well-rounded player. You know, Chris Bosh was kind of the common comparison that he got, and I liked that a lot. And that was kind of my justification. I was like, I probably would take Evan Mobley. And I think, you know, there's a floor with Evan Mobley that's lower than Jalen Green. But I still would take Evan Mobley because I think that ceiling is worth chasing for. It's easier to construct teams around Evan Mobley, right? Because Jalen Green has such a glaring flaw that you have to compensate for him when you're building the team, right? You have to put defenders around him, right? Whereas Evan Mobley... You can put some liabilities next to him defensively, and he'll be able to make up for that. Or you can make that team a monster or a juggernaut defensively by stacking it with defenders, right? There are so many ways to build around Evan Mobley. He was just a fungible piece of clay. And I thought it with, with Green, although I saw that safer all-star ceiling, I didn't see quite superstar yet, right? Like I, I, I thought that was there. Right? Like there was like a 1% or 2% possibility that he would hit that. But because of his measurables, you know, this is a guy that's not that big, right? He's six six wingspan, not someone that's traditionally had a high level of success reaching those pinnacles, right? You look at the greatest shooting guards of all time, they all have like 6'10", 6'11", wingspans. Dwayne Wade being the exception, I didn't see Dwayne Wade here, Right? Um, I think even Dwayne Wade had a long wingspan. He was just short, but whatever the case. There are things about Jalen Green that gave me some pause, but I understood the pick because, I, again, I did think he was a safer bet to become an all-star. I probably still would have gone with Evan Mobley. I can just speak for myself. I think they made the wrong call, and I think I'm still there. I would still take Evan Mobley. Have you changed at all on that? Or are you still a Jalen Green over Evan Mobley guy? I'm sticking with Jalen Green, and I think he's shown enough improvement this year where where I can confidently say that he'll be a a great NBA scorer and that, that's what he's been so far. I mean, sure his efficiency hasn't been there right now. Um but that'll regress to the mean. And his shooting has gotten better in the second half of the season, I'd say. And along with that I feel like J- Jalen Green is a guy that that is going to be a cornerstone piece for this Rockets team going forward. I think I believe so. His scoring ability is just no. No one in his draft has been able to score at the level that he's been scoring at. And Evan Mobley has been absolutely great as well. I think I'd say he's he's been better so far in his first two years. But then I'm gonna go back to this. I think Jalen Green's ceiling is just. I feel like it's it could be. You still think it's, it's higher? It's higher than Evan Mobley. And right now, Evan Mobley's been better. But you have to also understand he's been surrounded by a great team, much better coaching. If we're we're talking about system right now, I mean, how, would you say would you say that Green's put in the been put in the best position to be at his best right now? No, but I don't I don't necessarily agree that Mobley has either. I think I I would like to see him actually play center instead of playing power forward next to Jared Allen. I, I I'd like to see a world in which. He's the the centerpiece of a defense. And the Cavs are, don't exactly have a, a lot of shooting on that roster outside of those guards. So 
I would contend with that a little bit. I I think, yeah, that team is better, and yeah, that structure is better, but I'm not sure it's that much better because of where he's playing and who he's playing next to um, in regards to the front court. I'd like to see uh, him play in a spaced uh, in a more spaced out ecosystem. I'd like to see the the type of numbers he'd put if he was the guy gobbling up all the rebounds, if he was the guy anchoring the defense. Jalen Green, you're right, like he has had probably the worst ecosystem you could walk into, right? Like playing next to a guy uh, that's causing a lot of redundancy for the Rockets and, and Kevin Porter Jr., right? Like they kind of do a lot of the same things. A really shrunk floor playing with a inferior coach, although I'm, I'm not the biggest JB Biggerstaff guy. I think he is a better coach than Steven Silas. It's one of those things where I can agree that Mobley's in a better system. I still think he'd be doing better in a inferior system, if that makes sense. But you don't think that the duo of him and Jared Allen, just in terms of rim protection, they've, they've been so good this year. Just I, Yeah, I mean, Mobley, for sure, Mobley's absolutely. Like, but I, but yeah, He's averaging like a, a block and a half right now. And uh, I'm, I don't know how much Jared Allen is. But, but how many would he would, would he be averaging if Jared Allen wasn't there? Right? It's like, would he be averaging even more rebounds, even more blocks, even more steals? Uh, would he be scoring even more? Because not, now he's the lob threat, not Jared Allen. Now he's the guy getting more possessions per game. You know, like, now he's the guy with the more spaced out floor. There's nobody in the front court next, you know, clogging up space. That's all him. I'd like to see that. You know, I, I'd like to see a situation. It's kind of like it reminds me of the situation Miles Turner walked into with the Pacers, right? Where like Miles Turner was incredibly effective, but the Pacers kept sticking these plotting centers next to him, and he never really got to be the center until Devonta Sabonis got traded, and it was unfortunate. But that's just the way it worked out. Now we're seeing the full extent of what Miles Turner can do, but it took until you know that plotting center was moved before he could be the most optimized version of himself. I think the same would be said about Evan Mobley. I want to see what would happen if he is playing center alongside a more traditional power forward. I just feel like he fits his role so well right now. I mean, that I feel like that duo of him and Jared Allen is just so hard to score on. But I agree with you that if Jared Allen was to... If, if they were to run Evan Mobley at center with a with with stressed out floor... I think he he could easily be averaging 20 points a game right now. Yeah, that's kind of why I think Mobley has been better. And I think Mobley could even be better than what he, where he's at right now, right? It's like his efficiency is already better. His defense is already better. His offense is already, you know, I, I would say Jalen Green's probably about as good as he is offensively. Right, without the same level of efficiency. What I mean is, like, they're both impacting their team on offense about the same amount, which is not good if you're Jalen Green because you're the fulcrum, right? You're you're like one of the fulcrums. Whereas Evan Mobley, he's playing third fiddle. If you give the Rockets truth serum, I'm not sure where they would go. I tend to believe that they would pick Mobley, but they were very aggressive in pursuing Alperin Shengu in that draft. So I wonder if, because they knew they had a decent chance at Shangun, they chose to go with Jalen Green instead. You know what? Does that make sense? Like they they already knew that they were they wanted this specific center, 
So it's like, we're not going to go get Evan Mobley because we can get Jalen Green and we can get Alperin Shangun later on in the draft if we can complete this trade. Would they do it again? It really depends. What are you doing then instead of trading for Alperin Shangun? What are, you, are you still making a trade? Are you still trading those picks? And if you're trading those picks, who are you trading those picks for? Or are you drafting those picks? So like, you really need to see what the different universe is. In that respect... The Jalen Green decision is inexplicably inexplicably tied. I can't speak today. Tied to the Alperin Shangun decision. They're tied. They're they're tied at the hip because what you do with one impacts what you do with the other. So would they do it again? I don't know. I think if I were in their position, I would probably take Mobley and I would probably go in a different direction with what I do with those picks uh, instead of trading for Alperin Shangun. Is it a catastrophe? Right, which is what Bill was implying here. No, I don't think we're there yet. It's not looking great, right? Because if Mobley ends up becoming a superstar, and so far he ha- we haven't seen superstar, but we've seen better than Jalen Green. We've seen amazing, potentially w- once in a generational defensive talent. Whether or not he can become Kevin Garnett, right? Which is like. I look at him, I'm like, if he reaches Kevin Garnett, you're screwed. Let's be clear here. The Rockets were being ballsy when they picked Jalen Green. It was not the consensus choice. At the time, the consensus choice was Mobley. They hedged against the consensus. So it, it's a risk. It's It was absolutely a risk. I said it at the time. I'm still saying it now. It was a risk to make that call. It was ballsy. Where, what, what do you think would make it a catastrophe? Since, you, since you, you, you clearly disagree with Bill here that it's not a catastrophe now, what would make it one? I believe it would be a catastrophe if Jalen Green cannot become efficient. And that, that's my biggest worry right now. And um, it would be a catastrophe if Evan Mobley, like you said, if he, if he I chased. guess I'm not. I guess I'm not worried about that. Like, really? like th- I guess that's why I I, de- I, be- I didn't even mention the efficiency with Jalen Green. I'm not worried about him becoming non-efficient. Like but, a lot of his stretch of inefficiency is him just missing shots, right? When and I just think those shots are going to fall because you look at what they did last. What happened last year? They fell. You look at what happened in the G League. They fell. And the G League was the same three-point distance, right? So it's like it's not like this. This is like a new shot for him. You know, I just think. He's getting used to the game speed, and I think he'll 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 come back in line. I'm not worried about the shot. I'm not worried about the efficiency. I here's the thing. I think the efficiency, like like I said before, I, I did say this earlier. I think his efficiency will get better. But the thing is, is uh, I've been waiting for all season. It, it's looked a little better in the in the second half of the season for sure. And I do think he'll come back down to earth. But um, one thing is that he will need to become more efficient, and the other thing is he'll, be, he'll have to become a a better defender. And I think he. Had, in, the, in these past few games, mm. he's looked much better That's defensively. That's pretty big. Yeah. He's looked much better defensively in the past few games. And um, he needs to at least hit that league average defense. Like, kind of kind of what Harden became later in his career in Houston. Where he became a solid defender. Even though he was being hit on defense, he became a solid post defender during his time in Houston. Which kind of allowed him... To or just a solid, just a decent yeah, defender solid overall. Solid defender. Yeah, yes. Yeah, he he wasn't like you know the Rockets weren't asking him to guard you know like Jimmy Butler or anything. But like yeah. he if he got switched onto Jimmy Butler in a, like a major playoff series, like the Rockets weren't panicking in the same way as if they were in like 2014. 
he wasn't being hunted as much off the ball as he was earlier in his career. Yeah, it's just uh, become a solid NBA defender. And, I mean, we saw some flashes. There was a game against the Suns where he made a big play defensively at the end of the game against Devin Booker, uh, one of the games the Rockets won this season. Uh, those were one of the players I look back on. But he's he's gotten a little bit smarter on defense, I'd say, even though he's being hidden. Um when when he does when the when their opponents do try to attack him, he's been a little better in this second half of the season. And I just gotta see more of that improvement uh gradually as he continues his career. And one thing I'll say about Mobley Mobley's defense is already great right now. I'd say he's a he's a good defender in the NBA. Yeah. A really good defender in the NBA. No, yeah, he 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 is bordering on all NBA. That's if, how good he is right now. If Mobley takes another step offensively, then I think it gets scary for Houston. Because if Mobley becomes that all-NBA defender and ups, let's say he gets that center role and he ups his points to 20 to 24 a game on a on great efficiency, I mean, like I said, you, you could be potentially looking at Chris Bosh or a KG there. And Well, Chris, Chris Bosh, I don't think Chris Bosh is disastrous if... Uh, Jalen Green has normal, has expected player development, right? What we expect of him player development wise. But it could become disastrous if you're Kevin Garnett. That guy, there's no recovering from. You pick the wrong guy and it could haunt you forever, right? It could haunt you forever. If he becomes what you're describing, that's like Bam out of bio. It's not really a big deal. I mean, it's it's a big deal, right? Bam is awesome. And, you know, one could argue... Uh, that Bam is a more impactful playoff player than Zach Levine, but it's not catastrophic. Catastrophic is a, is a is a strong word to use. I would I would agree. I probably want to use it when Kevin if we see a Kevin Garnett happen here. But I'll stand by what I said before. I still think Jalen Green will be one of the better scorers in this league if he projects to what I think he he will become, and. As long as he stays on that route to become a 25-plus point-per-game player on solid efficiency and, and gets into that league average in, in defense, I think the Rocks would be just fine. I don't think anything catastrophic would happen there. I mentioned you know, some of my foibles of picking Jalen Green over Evan Mobley like if I was the Rockets in 2021. One other thing that worried me about Jalen Green is the passing Right, because I don't think he's the kind of guy you can build a team around, like be that heliocentric guy, where the guy the guy who's running the pick and rolls every time down the floor. I don't think he's ever going to become that guy. Can he become a guy? You know, you talked about how he needs to be a much better defender. I think he needs to become a much better passer too. I think he needs to become a guy like Devin Booker, right, where he's averaging five to six. You know. Devin Booker at, at the peak of his powers averaging like six and a half, seven assists per game, right? I, you know, like if if he can become that, that that's a guy that can be your second best player on a championship team, and that's a pretty good return for the second overall pick. But again, if Mobley gets to the point where he is the best player on a championship level team, it's gone, it's over, right? I, the, the the conversation's done. Is he going to become? Close enough to Evan Mobley to where it's not catastrophic. We'll see. Uh, we're, but I thought that was hyper, hyperbole by on the Bill Simmons part. I, I disagree. I guess we could talk. So Willie Colley Stein got waived 
best of luck. I don't really want to mention. Do you have anything to say about him? No, right? We can move on. Uh, just wishing best of luck. I mean, stick around in NBA, man. Keep doing you. Yeah. Uh, Ty Ty Washington set to the G League. This is, this is interesting. So why are the Rockets doing this? It's pretty pretty clear that they've settled upon Dacia Nix as their backup point guard. And I think that's the wrong call. I think Ty Ty Washington is clearly better than Dacia Nix. He's just better. He's just a better basketball player. The Rockets play better when Ty Ty Washington's on the floor versus Dacia Nix. Dacia Nix is just not good. He's just not good. And I think... This is one of those cases where the Rockets have done a really great job at picking guys off the scrap heap. You know, Garrison Matthews, they got off the scrap heap. Bruno Fernando, they got off the scrap heap. Jay Sean Tate, they got off the scrap heap. KJ Martin, they got off the scrap heap. Daniel House. K- Kevin Porter Jr., they got off the scrap heap. Daniel House in, in another in another world, they got off the scrap heap, right? They've been a, they've done a very good job of getting guys off the scrap heap. And like this is kind of like their heat check, right? It's like you're feeling good. Dacia Nick's like your heat check. And it's like, no, like, it's a bad shot. Don't take that shot. Ty Ty should be the backup point guard for this team. Not just because he's the better basketball player, but he, he will be the better play, basketball player moving forward. I think it's the wrong call. What does it mean for his player development? I think it's, you know, it's better than him playing for the for the regular Rockets if he's not going to be the backup point guard. But I still think he should be the backup point guard, right? I think I would rather see him get reps as a backup point guard. That's my take on this. I don't know why he's there. He, he belongs in the NBA. I think he's clearly the better player, but um, I'd say Deshaun Nix is probably right now, if we're talking right now, the better playmaker. I think he's he's a better floor general, but he hasn't been great. I'm I, not saying I, I disagree. Really, I disagree. I, I, like, I flat, think, flat out, I, I, I think I think Ty Ty's a better passer, like by by a lot. I would I would argue. Like, I, a, I, think, I think that's arguable. I think it's arguable because Deshaun Nix seems to have control of the floor when he's on the, when he's on the floor, at least for a little bit of the game, but. Here's the thing. I'm not, oh, I'm not we, going to. You and I, you and I could. You hold on. You and I, you and I could not disagree more on this. Like I, really? I think Ty Ty. Yeah, Dacian is a tire fire for me. Like I, I think I think he has no control of the floor, and Ty Ty makes me makes my blood pressure drop. You know, versus Dacian Nix. He Dacian Nix is, uh, I, uh, you know, he's young. Maybe maybe he proves us all wrong and turns out to become a good NBA player. I don't think he's a good NBA player. Like I don't think he has many redeeming redeeming qualities right now. For just being hard, for being cold and calculated, calculated. That's how I feel about Dacia Nix. He's not good. He shouldn't be playing. I think he should be in the G League. You don't right think he's now. improved at all from from the beginning of the from where? It, like, let's say like the last. Not really. Really. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna. He's better. He's, be- he's better. He's a little bit. I guess. I guess the last few games. He's playing better. No, I'm like, not going out there saying ta- he should be ta- playing over Ty Ty. I'm still saying Ty Ty should definitely play over him. Like it's he, just look at yeah. the eye test for example. You look at Ty Ty, you're like, yeah, this this guy's definitely better than Deshaun Nix, which is why I don't understand why he's in the G League. But I I personally believe that Deshaun Nix seems to be a better passer than Ty Ty at this at this very moment. We're gonna agree disagree here. So. The Rockets beat the Spurs on this back-to-back, and this kind of sparked this whole debate about whether or not the Rockets were wise in even trying to win this game because the Spurs benched all their players, right? They benched everybody that was good. Uh, they be- I think they benched Keldon Johnson. They benched Malachi Branham. They, men- they benched like a bunch of guys, right, that were helping them win games. And I guess, you know, a lot of people were asking them, like, is this, is this wise? And I just thought, like, 
Is there anything that the Rockets do that's wise on the court right now? Like, it's not. No, it, it wasn't wise, right? It wasn't wise. But you know, they had to win, right? They had to win at some point. Like, they're they're gonna have to. They they can't just lose for the for the rest of the season. Uh, they have to win, pick up a couple wins. At least they shouldn't lose for the rest of the season. They should try to win one or two basketball games before this thing closes. I guess. Uh, this is probably the worst possible thing they could do. I, I, if I were if I were them, I would have probably done the Spurs. I would have, since it was a back to back, I would have benched my guys in the second half. But they did. They chose not to. That's their decision. The Rockets make a lot of decisions that I disagree with. Does the jockeying for the worst seed matter? Yes and no. Like you really, all you really want is to be a bottom three seed, and I don't really care where. Like if you fall out of the bottom if you bottom if you fall out of the bottom three, well this is not like a five man draft, right? This is like there's like three guys here where like I re if I'm the Rockets I really really want and outside those top three guys it's like there's it's kind of you know they're all kind of the same and I'm not panicking if I'm the third worst record in basketball versus the first I am panicking if I don't get a top three pick but that could happen even if you're the worst record in basketball. You have the same odds of falling out of the top three as the worst record in basketball as you as you do the, the third worst record in basketball. So I thought the panic was a little bit over the top, but it was amusing. It was funny. This season just been kind of a cruel joke uh, for Rockets fans, uh, and seeing them win that back to back was just another layer on top of what's already been kind of a miserable miserable season. Uh, I mean, I saw some something funny. I saw when the Rockets won those two back-to-backs, um, those back-to-back games. Someone posted a picture of, of Lovey Smith on Twitter for for the Rockets after Lovey Smith won that last yeah. game. They gave up the Texans' number one pick. It's not the same, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not the same, though, because in the NFL, they don't have a lottery, right? In the NBA, they do have a lottery, and it's flat. So the top three have the same chance at the top two, top three picks. So it's not really – I get it. I get the jokes. But it's not the same. It's it's only the same if they fall out of the bottom three. If this is the the back to back that causes them to eventually fall out of the bottom three, then it's Lovey Smith. But um, right now they're, they don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I'm not too worried about. I mean, they were gonna win at some point. They had to win at some point. I mean, all they gotta do is have a bottom three record. They've got the same odds for number one. So for for those bottom three teams, so I'm not really thinking yeah, too much it was, of it. It was just the fact that it was the Spurs. It was just the fact that it was the Spurs. It was one of the teams that you were competing against for the bottom, bottom, you know, record. Hey, that's I'm, what that's what made it worse, right? I mean, the like Spurs if, beat if the they, they had lost, well, no, it's 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 not it's not. The, I'm not talking about the team quality. It's the fact that like these this is one of the teams that you're beating, you're competing against for the bottom three, right? If you had lost this back to back against the, the Bulls, I mean, if you beat the Bulls in a back to back, whatever. It's not a big deal. They're, they're, I mean, it's not it's not great to win a back-to-back when you're trying to get a bottom three seed, but it's not as damaging as if you give, you know, one of these bottom three teams two losses, right? You're giving. It's not it's not like you're just taking on two Ws. You're giving two losses to a, another bottom three team. That's what's damaging. So I didn't. I thought that was funny, but I didn't think it was. Uh, you know, it's not the end of the world. So it, it, like the like the Spurs beat the Nuggets. So like it's it, we're back to square one. I mean we're not we're not exactly back to square one, but like you took two steps forward and you took a step back because of that. So it's not it's not you're fine. You're, yeah, they're going to be a bottom three the, record. The Spurs are still out here winning games. I mean they're, they're still winning games. Uh, the Rockets are cool. I mean 
it's a half game difference for the worst record right now. The Pistons are half a game ahead of the Rockets. I mean, nothing to worry about right now. But if they do fall at that bottom three, then, oh man, then 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 there's something to worry about. Yeah, I mean, so so here's the closest team to the bottom three. It is the Charlotte Hornets, and they have 22 wins right now, and the Rockets have 15 wins. So, relax. Like, everybody needs to just calm down. You, ha- you have a lot of breathing room here, right? You're not going to fall out of the, bo- the bottom three. I'm, they're, they're very comfortable there right now. Like, there's how many games are there left? There's... 67. So you have 15 games left. You're not gonna, You're not winning seven out of the next 15 games. You're not. And Charlotte's going to win more games anyway. So it's, not, it's gonna, probably going to be more than seven. You're fine. Everybody can just take a deep breath. You're, the Rockets are fine, lottery position-wise. But it was funny. It was funny. Love the Lovey Smith comparisons. But it's not that. So Jabari in this game explodes for 30 points. And he's starting to heat up. He has now scored... 15 points, 30 points, 20 points in the last three games, right? A very nice three-game stretch for him. He's starting to hit his threes. Uh, He's starting to get more confident. And really, it seems like his his strategy of kind of focusing on the basics, right? Like, you know, we talked about how, like, I I was uncomfortable with him kind of cutting back on his three-point attempts, right? Like, he they, they were just... He was taking, like, one or two per game. And... It seems like that was kind of a way for him to get comfortable within the offense again and get his confidence back before he's back to taking five threes a game, which is back. He's back to. He's taking five threes a game again. He was like, let me just do the dirty dirty work. Let me stay around the basket. Let me stay around the mid-range area, and then I'll get my confidence. Let me get this high field goal percentage. Let the game come to me. Then I'm going to start taking these threes again. And I like that approach. It's a little closer to where where he was in college. He wasn't taking seven threes a game in college. He was taking four, like four or five, excuse me. So I like the approach of like, let me do my game inside out versus outside in. Let let me get going around the basket in the mid-range area before I start taking threes. I think that works better for him. Some guys they you know they they work better outside in. He's someone who needs to start who who needs to play inside out to feed himself. He hit that a buzzer beater to tie it up uh, against the Indiana Pacers. Very exciting game. I- I'm glad to see he's coming back around. I am. His shooting splits has been have been way better over the past, I'd, you said three games, I'd say five games. He's been shooting really well. And um, yeah, yeah, I do like how he's playing more inside and around the mid-range area and then using that to kind of get his three-point shot going. That's what it seems like that, that's been happening the last few games. And he exploded for that big thirty-point game against Indiana. Um, I mean, he he's looked a lot better offensively, and his confidence just seems like it's, it's growing every game. And I and I really like that from Jabari because, really, if he could just get continue with this efficient, he's been scoring an efficient twelve points for his last five games. If he can continue this to end the season, and then keep working on that shot in the offseason and reach that potential that he was drafted for this Houston team is in is in good hands because he could he could be that a great 3D threat for the Rockets moving forward and I would say like I watch watching him at Auburn like I I had a lot of fun watching Jabari actually I I thought Jabari was a fun watch in terms of his Auburn tape and watching him these past you know few games it reminds me of that joyous confident young fellow that I was watching at Auburn right 
even his game style felt similar. He was much more gritty, much more confident in himself, much more like, I'm not letting this get to me. That I'm not these shots aren't dropping. I'm I'm gonna just I'm just gonna go where they are dropping. And I'm gonna let the game come to me versus me dictating where my game goes. I mean a lot last week's show I talked about how like he was shooting above the break threes almost because he felt like he had to because that's where he was best at in college and he stopped that where he slowed it down a bit right he's only taking one or two above the break threes now per game you know he before he was taking about four you know he's 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 put that he's cut that in half which i'm glad now he's taking more wing threes which is not not exactly where i want him to go i wanted to go i wanted him to go all the way to the corner but wing threes are better it's shorter it's a shorter distance you know it's a shorter distance than direct above the break and he's hitting those threes. He's hitting these these wing threes, and I think it's it's going to work out for well for him. Again, just understand where you get your rhythm from, and he seems to get his rhythm around the basket and from the mid range area, and then start taking the threes when you start feeling it, right? Or like when you feel like it's the, it's an appropriate time to take it. Don't just take it because you're the shooter and you have to take you have to th- take threes, right? I don't know if I'm making sense. Like, I feel like he had a pressure on himself. He put pressure upon himself to take threes because, you know, he's the three-point shooter, right? Like, that was his thing. People expect him to take threes, so he's going to take seven per game, which I think is the wrong approach. Whereas this approach where it's like, I can do a lot, and I shoot mid-range jumpers, I take pull-up J's, I take fadeaways. I do a lot. I get to the free-throw line pretty well, right? In college, I was like... Part of my bread and butter, getting the free throw line. I'm going to get back to that, right? I'm going to get back to drawing fouls. I'm going to get back to finishing around the basket. I'm going to get back to these mid-range jumpers. And then let these threes come where they come. Yeah, I feel like he's letting the game come to him now. Rather than trying to kind of sh- kind of play like a volume shooter. He's trying to shoot his way into rhythm. I like the way he's playing right now. Playing hard on, under the rim. Shooting shooting. High- High efficient mid range shots that he that he's been great at, that he's been solid at uh, throughout his throughout the season, and then kind of getting into rhythm from beyond the arc. I I like the way he's playing right now. I feel like he's it, once again we were talking about how how he was how confident he was in Auburn and just his demeanor there was was different where he was just high energy, just joyous, like, yeah, right? He's, yeah, he's, just he's joyous. Bringing that back, They're just having fun. Yeah, have fun. This is basketball, man. You're 19 years old. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. Like, understand that. Like, you're living the dream. That you should be. Yes, yes. Anybody who's ever touched a basketball, Jabari, you are living their. You're living that person's dream. You like understand where you are, how far you've come, and just let things go. Let let things come easy. You know, like it's your job. I get it. You're playing 82 versus 16 games a year, right? It's a big, it's a big jump up in games, right? Um, and you know, this is one of those things where it's like, it's not. These aren't all tournament games, so they're not. They're not going to be, you know, high intensity for a while. You know, like I would get used to these uh, boring, uh, you know, nondescript games because uh, the Rockets aren't making the playoffs for for a little bit. So. I think this is more what I liked of him in, in Auburn. So he said this after the game. <laughs> I'll read the quote and then I'll react to it. Jabari Smith, 
I feel like it's kind of disrespectful when I come out on the court and I see Devontae Graham guarding me just just to start the game. Patrick Beverly. It just kind of bothered me a little bit. So I'm just trying to take advantage of that. Okay, Jabari, calm down. You've had like three good games, right? Like, relax. Don't run your mouth now. Like, you haven't earned that. You're not there yet. Like, I say this as someone who wants you to succeed. Don't go there. Don't go there. I'm glad you got your swagger back. You don't need to talk yet. You're not at talk level. You had your career high a couple games ago. Had had a 20-point game to follow. Great. Feeling on top of the world. Let's just ease that back a bit. They're regarding you with Devontae Graham for a reason, buddy. They're regarding you with Patrick Beverly for a reason, dude. Like, your scouting report this season has not been one of, oh my God, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta shut this guy down. All right, let, let's just let's just relax, okay? Let's just relax. Look, I have a completely different reaction than you. This is for Jabari for that quote. Thank you, thank you. It seems like you're getting confident again. I, I like it. Look, I'm all for some trash talk. Like I know he hasn't had that uh, that that great of a season, but hey, if it helps you get your confidence, you gotta boost, earn it, though, going. man. You keep gotta. Going. You, Why not? Talk on the court. Talk on the court. Talk when you're talking on the court. Anything you say is pretty much fair game, unless unless you're talking about family members. It's all it's all fair game. When you're talking to the media, it's almost like a matter of fact. You're inviting scrutiny. If someone's mic'd up and you're talking to them, no one's really going to criticize whatever you said on mic'd up. If you're saying this in the media, like you you know that there's cameras on you, right? You know that there's there's people out there with their phones in their in your face, right? Like you don't need to be saying all this. Like let's let's just back it up. Let's take a deep breath. Let's calm down. Let's understand that you got 15 more games left. For all we know, they, you could end the season like dog. We don't know that. We don't know if this is going to keep up. I hope you don't. I hope you end the season like bonkers, but we don't know. So let's just. I I just want to. I just want him to take a, a step back, understand how, the kind of season you've had, and everybody who's quoting my friend Adam Spolane right now is in their right to clown him because, dude, you just had three good games. Hey man, relax. I like it. I like it, Jabari. Just keep keep doing you. Keep keep talking. Just keep performing. Back it up. Keep backing it up. He he better he better keep backing it up now. He has no choice now. He already said it. Okay. In the also in the Indiana game, Steven Silas benched Alperin Shengun for an even longer stretch. Like it's getting progressively longer game by game. He sat the last twenty minutes of the game, meaning in the third third quarter. At the eight-minute mark, afterwards, we didn't see Shangun again. And here's my thing. We've been talking about this every week for, like, I don't know, like, what is it, the fourth week in a row we're talking about this? Like, the Steven Salas benching Shangun thing? We know how damaging this is, right? Like, this is going to hurt his value, his trade value. His trade value is, like, at this point, even if the Rockets don't see him as part of their future, doing this is not helping you either because you can't move him. What what are you gonna tell the other organizations? We're not even playing him, so how, so why would you give up assets for him? This is incredibly damaging. I I frankly, after this, I'm I'm gonna get this all off my chest and you can respond. I'm not gonna say anything about this anymore for the rest of the season. For the rest of the season, I'm not talking about Alper, Steven Salas, you know, in Alper Shangun. So this is it. You know, listen up because I'm not gonna talk about this anymore. It's clear how, how Silas feels about Shingun. He's let us know. He's let us know. 
I don't care what he's saying in the media. He's let us know with his actions how he feels about the man. He doesn't believe in him. I don't know how much more clear he can make it. We know how he feels about him. There's no hiding this. There's no he's not there's nothing coy about this. This is directly in your face. He does not believe in him. He's wrong. He's wrong. And this could cost him his job. This could this player just just this alone in my opinion is enough to cost him his job. I'm done talking about this. I think people are wasting their time trying to campaign Steven Salas to make him play more. I think I'm. we are wasting our time continuing to talk about this. I just brought it up to underscore the point that I will no longer talk about this. This is it. I'm done. I'm done. You're, you're not going to hear a peep out of me, Silas, about Shangun. I, I've done everything. I've done everything I could. There's not much power that I have in this, right? Like, you know, I, I, I get that people from the organization listen. They're not going to go to Steven Silas and, you know, let my mandate down there. My, my word means nothing to these guys. The fans' words mean nothing to these guys. What matters is what Steven Silas thinks of Alperen Shangun, and he's let us know. He doesn't think anything of Alperen Shangun, so... This is what you're going to get for the rest of the season. This is what you're going to get. Another. I'm done. I'm done. I have nothing to say. I have nothing else to say. I'm not. Well, what else can I say? Like, how, how long can I? How many weeks can are we going to? We're going to do this. You know, how, I, I'd like to talk about other things. I'd like to do other things with my time. I've, I've been thinking about picking up golfing. You know, I want. I want to golf. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to rant about Steven Salas and Alper and Shingun. I, I, I don't want to do this. You think this is what I want to do every week? You think I want to come up here every week and talk about how Steven Silas isn't playing his best player? No. I'd rather do a, one of a million other things. I have so many better things to do with my time. And I don't have many things to do with my time. It's just, this is one of the things I would not want to do. I hate doing this. I hate it. I hate it with every fiber of my being. I hate that we have to watch this. I hate that I can't see him play every week. And I'm no longer going to talk about it. I just, I can't. I, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted i'm tired i feel like i've ran a marathon this season talking about steven silas uh, not playing alper and changun i feel like i've been running a marathon for two years talking about this i'm tired i'm t- I, have, I, have, I have no more fight and i know what's going to happen at the end of the season so i don't feel any reason to fight like i know what's going to happen so i don't feel i don't feel a need to keep going i'll keep pressing if what i think is going to happen it doesn't happen that's when I'll that's when I'll keep talking about this. But because I believe that is going to happen, I don't feel a need to keep doing it cuz I know what's going to happen and I know that we have 15 more games and then it's over. Done. We don't have to do it. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at, I'm so. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to talk for 10 minutes about how I'm done with, done about this, but I am I'm done with this. For all the Red Nation Hoops listeners, what is a podcast without the Solomon Sangoon rant? What a, what a what a rant that was! Probably the best one of the of the past few weeks. I'll give it to you. Another round of applause for this one. And um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just to continue, um, what are we? Sixty-seven games into the season now. Yep, this is. We're done talking about this. I mean, what was was more to say? We already know. We we know the drill here. There's not. There's nothing. There's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. Really? Yeah. I mean, we're going to see this for the rest of the season, probably. I mean, why would he change anything up for the last 15 games? 
He's he's gonna keep mentioning Sangoon. All the Sangoon fans are gonna be upset. Um, some of the Silas. All the ba- hold on. Let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. All the basketball fans are going to be upset. Not the Sangoon fans. All the basketball fans. All the people with eyes that know talent that can see who's good and who's bad. They're going to be upset. So I'm going to be upset because I'm a basketball fan. Anybody who likes basketball that watches the Rockets, they're going to be upset too. So we don't, you know, it's not it's not just like this corner of the internet, right? This isn't Shangoon Hive. This, this, this is just basketball hive. This is balls going in the net hive. This is If you like seeing a ball go through the hoop, don't watch the Rockets because they, they, they don't have an interest in making that happen. They, they don't. They don't have any interest in making that happen. Hey, they scored 142 points against Spurs. So, the ball is going in the hoop a lot. But, uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, this is just something that... I mean, we're tired of talking about, honestly. But, probably going to see this rest of the season. 15 more games. Next season, hopefully something will be different. But, right now... Yeah, we're not going to see anything change. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see something change at the end of the season, probably. On that note, Kevin Porter Jr. So he has this play mid-game where he throws his hands up out of frustration because he didn't get the ball. And this happens. This happens a lot with Kevin Porter Jr. every game, uh, where he kind of gives up on the play because he's not he's not touching the basketball. And then he has this uh, bench confrontation with Lionel Hollins. I imagine. Listen, I I'm not, I don't know for sure. I imagine Hollins probably has something to say about him giving up mid-play. Maybe or maybe it was had something to do with this defense. You know, it's not like he was playing great defense either, right? It's like, but I imagine this was this definitely didn't help Hollins and his frustrations. Here, here's what here's what I say. Listen, like Kevin Porter Jr. is just not a starting point guard in the NBA. I just don't think that's. I just I think he's he's miscast. I think he's a ta- really talented player. I, I think on this team he's he's not going to hit the, his highest capabilities. I think it was a great pickup that they they managed to get this guy for nothing. I think the contract they signed him to is an, is another great contract. Uh, they can they can wipe their hands of of Kemba Walker anytime they want. I'm not, I'm not sure if this is if this is the incident that makes me do that. This is this is just kind of what you have to do with with Kemba Walker. It's kind of kind of what you have to deal with. It, you know, people are asking this: is is he worth all the trouble? I kind of think he is worth all the trouble, right? Because who else do you have to play at starting point guard? Nobody. They He's better next. than anybody you would you would play at. No. <laughs> There's he's better than anybody you could possibly play at starting point guard right now, so you know this is kind of what you have to deal with, and I, I it is what it is. Like I, I think he's I, I think he's again I, we said last week that he's having a talent, he's having a good year, he's having a, a, a very strong season. So yeah, he is worth all the trouble. Are, are the, do the Rockets have like an account accountability problem with with, with you know Kemba Junior? Uh, yes, but more broadly, the Rockets have a consistency problem. With their accountability, it's not consistent. They're not consistent with their accountability. They they selectively enforce it. We've talked about this before. I think we were the first ones talking about this. It's becoming mainstream now on Rocket Twitter, but I, I feel like I've been talking about this for, for like a year now, right? Like they choose to do the accountability with certain players, and they don't do it with the other players. Campbell Jr. is one of, the, one of the players where they don't do the accountability stuff with. I don't know how you could possibly fix it uh, with this coaching staff if they haven't already fixed it. I think the I think. What's left is like changing the coaching staff, right? And that's kind of where we're at. I think Kemba Jr. is a symptom of a broader problem 
he is not the problem. He is not the reason the culture is what it is. He is a symptom of why the culture is the way it is. I think this is not an organizational top to bottom matter, but one of the pillars of this organization is not up to snuff. And we know what pillar that is. So we'll see how the Rockets decide to go about this in the offseason. Then we kind of know how they how they should go about this and how they might how they how things how organizations tend to go about this, stuff like this. So that's kind of how I feel about this. I I don't again like people panicking, wanting to get rid of a Kevin Jr. Actually, I understand the frustration. Again, until you have someone in hand that is better than him at point guard, you can't get you can't get rid of him. You can't. Who are you going to play ahead of him? And until you get that guy, or unless Kevin Porter Jr. helps you get that guy, the, there is no benefit to getting rid of him. So he he's just talented enough to keep around, and that that's just the way it is. Like he, this is this is one of those things where this can be handled better. I don't know if the the Rockets have the guys to make this be handled better. I want to call something out. What I saw on Twitter earlier uh, this week. The, I don't like how people on Twitter like to throw around locker room cancer. Just throw that that name calling around yeah, I agree. on, on I, Twitter. I, I, I'm with you. He's frustrated. The Rockets have won 35 games in the last two seasons combined. You're going to be frustrated. They, they Are you kidding me? 35? They, they've lost 114 games. Someone, 114. And won just 35. He's frustrated. Everyone's frustrated. We've seen plays... Like I said, we, we, we've talked about this in the podcast before. We've seen Jabari Smith get angry at Sangoon for not coming up. And then everyone's throwing their hands up in the air like no one knows who's guarding who. It seems like there's, there's no structure. That accountability's not there. Like you said, there's, there's, there hasn't been a consistency of accountability with every player on the team. Everyone's frustrated. Locker room cancer thing, please throw it out the window. He's not a locker room cancer. He's frustrated just like everybody else in that organization right now that's playing basketball. He's he's frustrated. They're not winning games. And uh, like Solomon said, this guy this guy's a talented player. Um, if the Rockets don't get a point guard, he will be the starting point guard next season because he's too talented to just for someone to replace him on this roster currently. So if the Rockets don't land a Harden, don't land a Scoot, he will be a starting point guard. And um, I think he's a talented player. I think he's worth the trouble that you know he gets in right now. But honestly, I don't. I don't really see this trouble right now. I just think everyone's frustrated. I think once this team starts winning some games, you'll see a, a better. Oh, I, 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 I think it is uh, troubling. We said I, I can sympathize with the man and still say that what he's doing is not justified, right? Like this is not a justified reaction to not t- like. Throwing your hands up and giving up on a play is not a justified reaction to um, not touching the basketball. Like I, I, yes, you've lost a crap ton of basketball games over the past few years. You're not alone. Like everybody here has lost a bunch of games. There's a bunch of players this year that are in a similar position to Cameron Porter Jr. that are not behaving like this. I don't want to justify what he's doing, but I think this ecosystem is not exactly adept at handling him i think this eco it's kind of like a snow globe right you need to shake it up you need to shake it up 
It's just, just to see if you get a better outcome next year. And I think that shakeup's going to happen. You know, we kind of talked about Shengu, and we, uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you know, I think this ecosystem, this this culture, it needs a shakeup, and I think that is going to happen. And uh, I agree. And then again, like it's not too troubling to me for for the team, just looking at at a team's perspective, because what the Rockets even pay for this guy? It was a second round pick. Like he was a low-risk, high-reward player, and I'd say he's been rewarding so far for the Rockets. I mean, he's been a great a great piece for this Rockets team. So, um, you know, to, to see to see him get frustrated in games kind of just shows me, like, you know, at least he cares about winning for this team. Like, you know, he, he wants to win, and he's tired of losing. That's what I see, personally. But I understand why people would see it as troubling. But... I think he's panned out for what the Rockets paid for so far. Paid a second round pick. Have you seen the play? I I'm, I have the video up right now. I also have him um, with that scuffle with Lionel Hollins. Not that one. I see the play. You think that's a reaction to losing? Or you think that's a reaction to not touching the basketball? Probably not touching the basketball. But <laughs> okay, okay. So you want to amend what you just said? Look, <laughs> he... I still believe. I still believe this man wants to be great in this league, and he wants to win. He knows he wants the ball in his hands. It's cool. I get it. You want to score. You, one of the best scorers on the team. He feels like he shot the ball in his hands. I get it. But so far, I still I'm gonna stand by what I said. I don't think he's a an issue in the locker room. I think he's still a good player and will continue to play at a solid level. A solid. He's a solid floor now. I think he's still still got a lot of room for improvement. And um, there's a very high chance he might still be the Rockets' point guard coming into next season if the Rockets don't land Scooter or Harden. So. The guy's talented, man. Like I, I don't feel the way about Kevin Porter Jr. that I do about Dacian Nix. Right? If Dacian Nix was doing all this, I'd say cut his I mean, I, I say cut his now. Right? Like, he's, he's not good. But, like... Kevin Porter Jr. is good enough to where it's like he's going to be in the NBA for several years and be a a pretty good producer for somebody. So this idea that he's, he's someone you should just drop, it's like, no, you have to take a very strong look at the context. And if you can change the context to better ad- adapt to him, do that before just giving up. You know, there's a lot of I see a lot of panicking uh, on Rocket Twitter this week. Uh, just in general, there's a lot of just a feeling of despair, right? And I, some of the despair I get, some of it I have participated in. I mean, you you got you heard my rant on Shengun. It's not like I'm exactly happy with how this season's gone, but at this point, things are kind of what they are, right? Like. You being upset isn't really going to change anything because it's not like the pattern has really changed much from where it was before. You know, what's changed, you know, this week is Jabari, which I think is a very positive development. I think if this is a, a like an A-minus prospect again, that does a lot for Houston long-term. So I, I, I think just this week, you have a lot to feel positive about if you're a Rockets fan. I, this stuff like this is not something I would hang, I would get too hung, hung up on, especially when you look at what Kempor Jr. has done this year. He's gotten better, right? If this was a year in which Kempor Jr. took a step back 
or didn't get better and he's doing all this, maybe I'd, I'd feel that gloom, that despair. I don't think that's warranted now. This is not too different from what we've seen from Kevin Porter Jr. before. It's not a new low. It's not like a, like, oh, we're, we've, we've managed to reach a new low. No, the, the low was when he left the arena. That was, pro- you're not, you're probably not going to get any lower than that. And the fact that they've withstanded that is a good thing. It's a positive sign. These are like normal like frustrations that you run into with players, uh, with young players, with attitude problems. It's not something I would just get hung up on. Like I, I really don't. Like I'm not just trying to see it, say that to be all preppy and cheery. It's like no, I get, I, I can get negative. You guys have heard me get negative. I this is not something that like brought my mood down. Look, yeah, this team is young. Um, they're led by 19, 20, 21 year olds right now. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll get better. A coach, like, they'll, they'll need, uh, like you said, they, they need a shake-up in the offseason. I think it'll happen. This team will become more organized. It'll be better. Yeah, that's the hope, at least. Right? That's that's the hope. That, that, that's all one could hope for. So, you know, there's there's some things to be positive about, and we'll, we'll just kind of have to see how this progresses as we head towards what should be a very exciting NBA lottery in May. Yep. Uh, tell me for Tito himself. Pray for Wemby. <laughs> Pray for Wemby. Pray for uh, Shingun too, by the way. All right. So subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Give us five stars on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Give us a written review because that really helps other people find the show. And yeah, guys. Good night.